Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week I sat down with Air Chief Executive Caroline Lennon to talk about a load of stuff, including why her company is backing Huawei in the big controversy between the US and China. Air has quite a lot of uh, Huawei equipment built into its uh, 5G network. She also talks about why what certain politicians are saying about Air is factually untrue. She uh, explains why she thinks traditional TV or linear television is probably toast in the long run and why we're all going to move to apps. And also some stuff about GOMO, the new budget mobile operator that Air launched and how much it might cost after the current 12.99 for life offer ends. There's also lots about broadband, even a bit about the national broadband plan as well. So this is how the conversation went. Caroline Lennon, Chief Executive of AIR, you're very welcome to the podcast again. Thank you, Adrian. Nice to be back. We're going to talk about broadband, mobile, 5G, and a lot of other things in between. Um, and start with mobile and GOMO. I'm been slightly personally fascinated by how quickly GOMO has sold. So for those who haven't been following, GOMO is essentially a budget mobile operator that AIR launched. It said that it was going to give... Uh, people who signed up for a tenner per month, a tenner per month for life, up to 100,000 customers. Then it extended it for a bit. Then it said, uh, then the company said that it would offer 13 euro per month for, I think, another uh, month or two. How many customers do you have at the moment for Gomo? So if you remember, so first of all, uh, you say budget, I'd mm. say cool online brand, but uh, we won't well, find out what does that, that make Air Mobile then? <laughs> but go on. Um, so um, we had said that we were, for the first 100,000 customers that signed up, mm. um, they would get the 999 uh, price, all voice, all calls, all data for life. Mm-hmm. So that was our, you know, our pitch, no price increases in the future, whatever. And I suppose, you know, 100,000 we felt was an ambitious target. We thought we'd, you know, get that done by by June and we had 100,000 done before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So not only were you surprised, I think we knew it was going to be popular. Um, We liked the comms, we liked the brand. There was obviously great value there and we thought people would like the for life message. But I think we were all, you know, blown away by, you know, because just to persuade 100,000 people to do something is, you know, no matter how good the value is or whatever, is it is a challenging thing Well, that's thing almost to do. 2% of, yeah. the, so, of the market here. Has it cannibalized any Air Mobile customers? So I suppose, in, in, you know, in doing the business case for GOMO, obviously you say, well, we're, you know, what's going to come from Air? What's going to come from the other operators or whatever? So it's well within our business case. Yes, yeah, so some customers have come from Air mm-hmm. Mobile, but it's well within our kind of business case kind of tolerance. And, you know, we made assumptions about prepay and postpay, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we're very 
very happy. You know, it's really, it is delivering for air, not just volume, but also kind of revenue. So we're really, really happy. And we're really delighted with, you know, the traction it's got. It's the first, I think, campaign I've ever been involved in that kind of went viral, you know, mm. like it was it was launched two days and we had people coming in saying all the school WhatsApp groups were texting about GOMO, all the, you know, the GA clubs. It was just one of those ones that just seemed to gather momentum well, and I, take a life yeah, of its own. I think a lot of listeners to this podcast will probably recognize that in my own case. I mean, I was aware of people who were getting one for their kids or they're getting one for their parents or they were buying two or three to reserve mm. them and then deciding whether or not they would keep them um, later on. Who, what companies were you targeting there? If, if it's within your business case, where do you think you took most of the customers from? So I suppose we, we, we if you look at us, like we're the third operator in the market. So we had share to gain, which is kind of why, why it makes sense for someone like us to do this kind of, you know, a, mm. of a launch. So we expected it to get to get our customers from, you know, from Vodafone and 3 and from Tesco's, I suppose, who had a, a value play, but they were much better offerings than was out there in the market. And that's what we've seen We've also got um, a chunk of prepaid customers. You know, Ireland has been probably a much more predominantly prepaid market than maybe you'd see in other European markets. Uh, you know, people kind of commit it to their 20 or a top up. But I think mm. the value and the simplicity of GOMO just kind of encouraged them to make that leap. We've got we've got some postpaid customers as well, but we've seen a chunk of prepaid customers come onto our onto our GOMO base. Okay. Um, are you concerned? The There was a story that the Advertising Standards Authority of Ireland were looking into the fact that it's been promised for life, the 10 euro, but you go into the terms and conditions and it says, well, you know, air reserves... Uh, the right to change that price at any time is that is that should we worry no, about there's that? There's absolutely no issue there. The, the 9.99 if you signed up at 9.99 or now we're at 12.99 mm. is guaranteed for life for all all calls, all texts, our data. In terms of the T's and C's, you know if things happen with international or some of those things are outside those core propositions, we reserve the right to change those. But the core proposition of 9.99 or 12.99 is guaranteed for life, and and that was. I mean, that was the, when we worked on that proposition, that was the simplicity of the offer. And I think that definitely worked. Everybody kind of got it. Mm. And even, you know, so we were as overwhelmed by the initial volumes and we had some challenges just with the, managing the volume. But uh, it's it, we don't have, as you know, we don't have a call center per se, but we have a chat team based in Limerick. But because of the simplicity of the offering, you know, we were able to train extra chat agents in a couple of hours in a morning, you know, and that was so in the same way as our agents could get it and quickly look after customers. I think customers got it. And that I think that simplicity of the offer and the for life, um, you know, really drove that uptake. So it's going to be $13.99 for the next $12.99 for the next four to six weeks or so. And then it will presumably go up incrementally again what what what's going to go up to so we haven't made a decision about that yet and we we wanted to see what the elasticity was between 9.99 and 12.99 you know you you do your business case but until you actually put it out there you don't know so we're going to see what what that did in terms of our volumes or whatever and then we make a call of what what next but what you're saying basically is that when all is said and done when for example the next comreg figures are, are counted what you're what you're suggesting if it's within your business case is that the overall cake of airs mobile uh, footprint will be expanded significantly. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we are, we're doing our results in February. So right. you'll see that. And that's our results at the end of December. So you'll see those mobile volumes coming through there. Okay. It sold like hotcakes, even though 5G wasn't on the table. What does that, because I'm going to come to 5G in a second, what does that tell you about demand relatively for 5G? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the demand for 5G will come. I mean, we certainly saw, um, saw a decent percentage of 5G handset sales at Christmas, but but I think they're absolutely who you'd expect them to be. The early adopters who always want, you know, the, the, the new thing mm. that's come out. 
And, you know, it takes it will take a while for the rest of the population or the mobile users to catch up. Also, there's no Apple 5, uh, 5G device yet. So th that will all come. I suppose from our point of view, though, we want to be ahead of the curve with 5G. So we want to build a network, you know, maybe before everyone's absolutely ready to have it so that we have it. And it's the same with our same with our fiber network. I think you and I have had this conversation before. Like, when does everybody you know, need a gig or mm. 10 gigs? Mm. I don't know. And anyone who says they know, I think, is, is not telling the truth. But the thing is, I don't want to start building it when they decide they need it. I want to be ready ahead of it. So I think demand for 5G will come. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it is your, it's, you're in the early adopter space, you know, that first 10% who mm. always take everything at the moment. Interestingly, and again, I think the last time we talked, we talked about use cases for 5G. And, you know, and, and there's the obvious ones, people talk about e-health and cars, or whatever. But one of the things that we did, we did actually, we did Air Sport um, use 5G um, to broadcast um, Munster versus the Ospreys back in October. So rather than your, your typical, you know, download from satellite and mm. all of that involves, we did it over 5G and it worked really well. It worked oh. really well. So I think that could be a really good broadcasting application and much cheaper than it would be to do your normal kind of outside broadcast. So maybe giving companies uh, an opportunity maybe to cover more games for the same kind of budget. But that's still going to be a differentiator between GOMO and Air Mobile. Yeah, we have 5G. no plans at the moment uh, to, to do anything uh, on 5G with GOMO. Okay. How many 5G sites do you have up now? So we have have 150 or sorry 170 sites uh -huh. and we're live now in 20 uh, towns and cities and probably just over 25 percent population kind of coverage okay yeah. that's that's reasonable progress. So you're you're probably the biggest at the moment. Oh no, we're, de the we're definitely operators. the biggest. I mean, I think we like when uh, when one of our competitors launched. We all and we well, had only one of those. Vodafone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but with the, the at the time Vodafone launched, we already had more sites. Yeah. We just did, we had said we weren't going to launch. We we had originally said we were going to launch with the five cities. In the end, mm. we launched with the five cities and the five towns or whatever. Mm. So now now we're at twenty, and we'll push on. But I suppose because we're upgrading our entire network, we're you know expanding our four G network by another five hundred sites. And um, we're, you know, we're basically changing the kit across the whole network. We're doing 5G, you know, it's an efficient way to do it because we're out there anyway. So we're doing it as part of that, you know. So have you taken your foot slightly off the gas in terms of the 5G site expansion? I think originally when you launched, you said that you thought you would have roughly 300 by now. There's 100, then it was going to be another 100 before Christmas. And then there was going to be another 100 early in the new year. Is Has what you're seeing in terms of demand... Um, led you to focus more on expansion 4G rather than 5G? So it, it, we haven't, no, I think we'll push ahead with 5G. I think we're just managing, you know, what we can do at the time, what sites are available, if we have a new site or whatever. So I think we're, we're just managing that overall network upgrade program. So we will definitely get to 5G and we will we will do more than we had originally said, 300 sites for 5G. Um, we will do more than that, absolutely. So it's, it's a mixture, but we're not pulling back because, you know, we think it's just the early adopters. As I said, we want to be ahead of the game on 5G. When do you think you'll reach critical mass in terms of most of the network, most population availability? So I think that the mobile network program was a, was a two-year program, which started at the start of 2019. So I'd say first quarter 21, we'll have done the 4G mobile network expansion. Mm -hmm. We'll have increased the size of the network by 25%. And originally, our, our, 4G, our 5G aspiration was 300. We will have more than that. We'll probably be nearer to the 500s by then. But post that, we haven't made any decision about where we go. Okay. Um, 
5G launch, why, it was so quiet. So you had three big launches, essentially in 10 days. One was Goma, the other one was Air TV, which I'll come on to in a minute. And then there was 5G, and I was all excited about it. Are we, you know, I'm covering it, I was asked questions, writing articles, and, and then it was kind of like, yeah, there was a press release, you know? No, but there was actually, there was a big internal launch. I yeah. suppose we had, you know, again, and, you know, what do we do that again? I don't know. So we normally you wouldn't do big all big launches in the same yeah. kind of month. The snazziest one was for Air TV. Yeah, no, that was pretty cool, I thought. I thought. But uh, and, and I think the Goma one as well. So you wouldn't normally do them all together, but we found ourselves with everything kind of ready to go around the same time. And we just made a call about, you know, what we, you know, how we would do it and what we would do it. And internally in particular, there'd been an awful lot of people on the network side uh, involved in, you know, in 5G and also the upgrade of the 4G network. So we kind of made a call to do two external and one internal. So we did actually a big launch and we had all of our suppliers in, uh, in, in our building in City West. And we did the whole morning and we had Xavier over. So we did a big internal launch for 5G, but that was just a call we made. And we did two external ones for both Gomo and, 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 the, and the TV You had a lot of senior. I mean, as, as I recall, you had the Huawei chairman, uh, Gao Ping, over Yeah, he, well. he was over as well, yeah. And I think he was delighted to come and to join us and to, to meet, and also obviously to meet Xavier and the NJJ team. I mean, our management team. So yeah, no, it, it went really well. I think it's good as well sometimes to do some of because when you do an external launch, there's only a certain percentage of the team you can bring. You know, yeah. you, you know, you need you can't have the place full of air people. You need to have it full of you know journalists and suppliers or whatever. So I think sometimes it is important to do things internally and include as many as the air team and the suppliers as you can. At the time, was there the whole Huawei controversy thing, which is still kind of going? It was raging at the time. Was there any reason that the chairman of Huawei was here? Was that connected at all to the fact that you didn't have? A public launch for it? No, I think he was here because he he wanted to meet Xavier, and Xavier was going to be here for our our five G launch, so yeah. that it worked out well. He was planning a visit anyway, so we managed to get that kind of timing right. You know, I think we've I think we've been clear about Huawei from the start. They've been a partner, a supplier. We're very happy with them, and we've kind of stuck with them. And that position hasn't changed at all. Well, what do you make of the whole Huawei controversy? Well, yeah. I mean, I I find it hard to you know accept that it's not you know a, a lot to do with the the China U S kind of trade kind mm. of conversation. You know, you you know they're in our they're in our you know our access network they're not in our core network we find them good to work with and our, our guys say their kit is fantastic which we believe it is mm. so you know I you know I think most of the telcos in Europe are using them I think the UK have said today that they're not going to block you know Huawei from their 5G network so I think you know we're, we're very happy with them and we're what, not concerned what do you make of this American argument and a few elements in Europe but mostly American argument that you know, networks maybe like yours that use Huawei equipment equipment are less secure. I, I, I you know, I, I like I disagree with that. I do not. You know, it's it's very hard for us to, you know, be, take the you know the smoke away from everything that's going around on around this. But like, and obviously, security is really important to us. I mean, Nokia, as you know, do our do our core, mm. but our, sorry, everything to our core. But you know, it, you know, I, I think we're pretty happy with Huawei, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Okay, um, I mean, it was interesting. I as for for most of. The last 18 months, the perception was that that company, that Huawei, oh, I've interviewed senior figures in, mm. in that company, that they were in the lead for one of your competitor networks and, um, and three, and they chose Ericsson. Mm. I was aware that there was uh, some issues around some of their multinational clients around why I'm not sure I have no idea whether whether that was the the, the reason that they went with Ericsson or not I know Ericsson have a very compelling uh, proposition themselves but but it certainly is an issue um, in the telecom in fact it's probably the biggest issue in the telecoms world yeah. at the moment so it, but it hasn't so we've just recently on our, on our business won the guard the guard a mobile tender mm. uh, you know so it's not you know it's not stopping us winning business and mm. it's not 
you know, do, you know, do American multinationals mention it? Yes. But, you know, has it stopped us winning business? No, it hasn't. Mm. You know, so, you know, I think, you know, we're going to push on. We're committed to them. They've been a good supplier and we're very happy with the kit and the quality of the network. Okay. Um, a little bit about Air TV. Uh, you launched, as I said, it was the biggest launch that you had mm. in that triumvirate of launches. Yeah. Um, it's basically based on uh, an Apple TV -box, uh, yeah. platform. How do you see TV for air going you know, in future? The growth is there, but it's very, very small at the moment, or it has been up to now. Do you think, do you think it'll grow? Or yeah, no, I mean, and it, it, we've definitely seen growth with the, with the new Apple, uh, Apple TV proposition. I think we said at the time that the reason we, we, we did, well, A, we were delighted to partner with somebody like Apple, and usually innovative company, and to be, to be working with us was, was fantastic. I think we also, I suppose, see the future of TV moving away from linear, although if you look at the stats, most people, People, it's linear today, but mm. a lot of people are moving to their, you know, to the various different apps, and we wanted to get on, you know, the front foot of that, um, and you know, that's working for us. Again, I don't watch loads of TV, but I, over the Christmas, I was able to to use the the box a lot, and it, it is great to have, you know, all the other services that I like that Netflix and so easily easily there. You know, Disney launching in March again, that'll be just an app that comes up. So, you know, I, I think that is the way TV is going, and for mm. someone like Air, you know, who are you know a small Irish company to partner with somebody like Apple and also then to be able to leverage those new services as they come aboard, it seems like the right place to us. We're still committed to content. We still have our free air sport. Obviously, as part of our TV proposition, you know, you got the Apple um, proposition as well and Amazon Prime for a year again. And they seem to be working for us as well because they're for existing and new customers and people are, you know, are taking those up. But I, I think that is the model for TV going, going forward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the proposition we have in Apple, I think that does make that easier for customers. And again, you know, nothing like the volumes of GOMO. We weren't expecting it to be, but ahead of where we forecast ourselves to be from a TV point of view. Yeah, I... I tested the platform where I, I, I used it mm -hmm. on that day and went, went through it. Uh, the, the Apple TV is a very, very easy, nice, mm -hmm. uh, attractive platform to use, which accounts a lot. The only problem is you, you can record hardly anything on it because it's yeah. all, all in the cloud. The rights, well, they certainly weren't there at the time. Yeah. I don't, so I don't. so that, is, that is probably the one challenge. Funny enough, mm -hmm. my parents were over at the weekend and they're on our old TV platform and I've yeah. told them to stay there for the moment yeah. because they like to record. They record BBC. And they like to yeah. record BBC yeah. and whatever. And if, if that's <laughs> what you like, mm -hmm. it's not for you now. Mm -hmm. um, but those rights will come. I think, you know, this is the fact that the, the you know, the, the BBCs and the RTEs, you know, have never had to think about those rights in the past, so they're mm. not built into the programme and whatever, but I think everyone sees the way this is going, so over time, this is not going to be an issue, but it is a challenge today, and we're being, and again, we rebriefed all our sales channels really up front with people, if, if you're a big TV our BBC recorder, mm. then the, our proposition is not for you now and you stay on Air Vision and then over time those rights will come. But we're already talking to uh, you know those companies now and the rights will come. Uh, Disney Plus is launching in Ireland on March 24th. Yeah. I know that one of your competitors will definitely have it as uh, kind of in baked into their uh, mm -hmm. system uh, as they do with the likes of Netflix. Will that happen on Air TV? No, we, we will have it on, you know, on, on our you know, your Air TV uh, front screen as, you, as we have today with yeah. Netflix and Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. And I, that's the joy for us. And yeah. it's pretty easy for us to do now in terms of integration or whatever because of the way that's set up. One interesting uh, uh, logical extension of what you're saying, if that's the way TV is going, I recently uh, had to replace my TV. I've had it for 10 years, uh, or the new one I got has a lot of those apps built in by the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. It's hardwired, it's, the firmware uh, has it. Um, if that is the future, I'm wondering what the future is for traditional TV 
uh, distribution companies like uh, you know uh, Virgin Sky and now yourselves mm. as well like, why do we even need a, um, an Apple box going well, forward well I suppose you know we're, we'd be saying we're we're get, you're getting that mm. you're getting linear and you're getting your free content you're getting your sport or whatever so it's the combination of all of that that makes us attractive I wonder so. will RTE I, what I'm waiting for is when the Premier League decides to, okay we're now setting up our own TV company we're going to have our own Disney plus style app yeah. and that's and that's that's mostly a challenge for Sky and for BT but mm. when if and when that happens you know is the future of TV the one that sort of Steve Jobs and Tim Cook uh, uh, articulated a few years ago that essentially you turn on your TV and it's essentially a bunch of glorified apps. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's certainly that's the direction out. Again, mm. with all these things, how long is that going to take? Mm. And you know, and when do you get that mass kind of market buy into that? But certainly, that looks the way it's going at the at the moment in yeah, terms of you know, the way people use TV. Seems to accelerate at the moment. Uh, broadband. Um, where you, you you and I are talking here today because you're making an announcement around it, sort of a broader investment announcement around uh, a variety of different services. Um, right now, I think the last figure I. Saw saw was 400,000 fibre to the home past. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. So I think uh, last year when we talked, we were talking about we'd finish our rural broadband rollout, yeah. our commitment to the government. Uh, in the end, it finished at 340, 340 in the end. So that was finished during the summer. And then we immediately kind of rolled that kind of network team onto plan and design for our national fibre build, our IFN, our Islands Fibre Network, as, as we're calling it. And the first of those... Um, urban, suburban, for want of a better a better word, uh, 28 towns available now. I think we've got another 50,000, 50, we'll have about 60,000 next week, and we'll add another 20 towns by the end of April. So I suppose the, the machine that was, you know, hitting 30 to 35,000 rural homes per quarter is now targeting urban, suburban, and we'll get to 65, 70,000 homes per quarter with the ambition to bring fibre to the home to... 1.4 million homes you know across the country you know and if you look at that that's you know um that'll be 83 84 percent of the homes in ireland mm. you add on national broadband plan and mm. um, pretty much ireland we will be right mm. at the top of the world stats mm. in terms of broadband connectivity you know in, in an urban or suburban scenario what is that process like for somebody who has a home there and they have a traditional copper line coming in is it that uh, the the air van is outside and do, do they need to do any access work into the house or so not? so so with the the difference between uh, our, our our national build versus rural is that most of the network is underground mm. so you know you're not dealing so much with stringing your fiber along the poles um as part of our fibre to the cabinet build-out, we brought fibre from the exchange to the cabinet. Mm -hmm. This build then takes it from the cabinet right up to just outside your outside your house. So if yep. you order it then, we will bring a direct fibre rather than a copper connection into your house. And that's when, that's yep. when you'll come in. And I suppose it's our... I mean, why you'd say, well, why are you doing it? You have a fibre to the cabinet network and yeah. whatever. And for a lot of people, you know, 100 meg is, is fine today. And, you know, when oh, will no, they listen, want... Oh, no, listen, the gold standard. When, will they, want to, when yeah. will they want to gig? But I suppose this is our opportunity now to take on mm. cable. Mm. Um, you know, Air has never, you know, had a network, mm. you know, to take on cable. The fibre network is better than the cable network. It's uncontended. You know, you will get that direct speed into your house. And I suppose this is our opportunity to grow share in the in the cities and the big towns, and certainly the cities were under share today. Mm. And this is our opportunity um, through our retail brand, but also on the wholesale side, mm. through you know our wholesale customer brands, 
um, to take share from cable and to, and to grow share. So, you know, it's a, it's a big bet, but we're confident um, with that future-proofed five to the home network that we're going to be able to do that. Uh, I mean, you and I have talked about the National Broadband Plan, plan <laughs> countless times, and I'm not really going to go into it here. The only thing I would ask, though, is at this point, you're going to build out 1.4 million fiber to the home uh, connections. Um, you've, you've built 340,000 uh, rural uh, yeah. connections. Last year, you air went in and kind of causes a spanner in the works of the National Broadband Plan, but at, at the very least provided an alternative fallback back plan should the National Broadband Plan uh, stall or, or something goes wrong with it. I, I do wonder, was it just that the timing was too early? Because what you're, you're doing now, what essentially the government would have wanted to achieve with a National Broadband Plan from five or six or seven or eight years ago, was it just that the economics weren't right a few years ago, or, or, or is there any sense of, or was the corporate structure not, not sort of aimed and, and, and primed uh, uh, in that way at the time? Or, you know, any regrets at all that you're, you didn't do then what you're doing now? So I think there's a, there's a couple of things. If you, if you, so first of all, now it is different. We have a long-term telco investor mm -hmm. who absolutely believes, and every decision or conversation I've had with our, with our new shareholders has felt long-term absolutely every decision and they absolutely fundamentally believe that the, the company with the best infrastructure fixed and mobile will win the day that's a philosophy and they you know so making those decisions is quicker um, you know and everything we said we were going to do last year we, we've done or are in the middle of doing as you will know so I think so that is different however you know in hindsight and everything if you think of when air started building its first fiber network or fiber to the cabinet it was post examinership it had a certain amount of money and the equation at the time was, do you go deep and narrow with fibre to the home mm. or do you go broad oh, with, with, with fibre to the cabinet, you know, for the same budget, you know, in terms of whatever. And the call was made to go for reach, you mm. know, as opposed to now, whether that was wrong or right, I don't know. But if you look at our recovery post-examinership, you'll see that that recovery was on the back of both wholesale and retail customers coming onto that fibre to the cabin, cabinet network. Mm. Would we have done better with a smaller, for, I don't know, is, is the answer. Um, I think in terms of national broad, broadband, you know, again, I would say we weren't trying to put a spanner in the works, but, you know, if you ask Air a question now, it will tell you the truth. It will be confident about that answer. And if I had a million euros tomorrow and I hadn't taken my team and put them on building an urban and suburban network, I could do that, the rest of that rural build for a million. That's uh, for a, a billion. billion. Sorry, that's absolutely the case because we've just done 340,000. Mm. I know how much it costs and I know how to, mm -hmm. whatever. And we were asked that question and we gave an honest answer. I mean, look, but we've it, moved on, I suppose. You know, yeah. we're now, all our resources are focused now on, uh, you know, on the cities and the big towns. And that's a five year, you know, we're, we're half a year into a five year program. So that's what we're doing. Now, we are actually working with MBI because they will be using our poles and ducks. Mm. Um, we've been working with them and, you know, we, we, we'll have to do that preparation for them so that they can spring, string their fiber on that. So, and that's all built into How's our- How's that relationship? It's very good, very positive, very good. We work well with them. Some ex air people in there, you know, they, you know, well, and our guys are very good. They know what they're doing. So, you know, we're working hard on that and we have that built into our capacity and our capital. But that's 
it you know we're kind of maxed out in terms of both supporting uh, MVP and our urban you know our urban build mm, okay um, broadband isn't it, it is and it isn't an election issue uh, at the moment although I, I, I did notice that um, Michael Ring uh, couldn't <laughs> couldn't uh, resist having a crack he said you probably saw this in the Sunday Independent the other day he said uh, about, about air that air acted like a spoiled child he said nobody can get in touch with them they remind me of a spoiled child when the sweets are taken away from them they start crying and that it annoys me that I can't get them out to people when their phones are at elderly people with their senior alert uh, alarms we can't get them out uh, to fix the phone uh, phone and these are the ones who want to roll out rural broadband there you go there you go so uh sorry when i when i finished picking my toys up and putting the back of the pram my lantern no, i'm only joking but uh so uh, you know uh, he's entitled to his own opinion uh, the stuff on the repairs is just not true it's not factually i mean again you will know that we are regulated and we have a repair sla with the regulator you know and we have to get repairs done the vast majority of repairs done within within two days and, and we do, and we're well within that SLA at the moment, actually performing well, because actually the good weather in Ireland this year has actually, you know, given us, you know, we haven't had in, in previous years some peaks of bad weather where we've had a lot of repairs. But occasionally, mm. um, we need a county council to close a road for us to do a repair, mm -hmm. or occasionally there's lightning in a part of the country that's, you know, frazzles the copper network, and it's difficult. But, you know, certainly uh, it's not in our interest to be slower on a repair than we need, we need to be, and we're well under those, cares, uh, those repairs. So that's just not factually correct fair enough lastly am, am i allowed to mention uh, your uh, your little tattoo that you, you okay? well there? you've mentioned it now so, so i suppose you are it's very discreet very elegant um, <laughs> thank you thank uh, you i believe it was referred to in uh, as as a gang tattoo my uh, husband i started learning how to ride last last may and i'm horses, absolutely yeah. loving ride horses and i'm absolutely loving it and so i got a little horse's head on my husband saw it he, he thought it was like a, a mafia symbol which i assured him well, that all, it wasn't well for press photos and for uh, you know for for public appearances what are you going to do now are you going to show it off boldly or are you going to oh yeah no it it's my or? tattoo i'm I mean, not, showing it off today yeah yes yeah, so i'm not worried about it i i, I like it okay yeah. Okay, well, maybe this is the first time you've been asked about it. I'm sure it won't be the last. But anyway, <laughs> Caroline Lennon, uh, Chief Executive, thank you very much for joining me today. And that was Caroline Lennon, Chief Executive of AIR, talking to me earlier. That's all we have time for this week, folks. From me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>